So welcome. I guess uh, questions for entrepreneurs, I suppose. There's no speech up front, right? Um, not really, just um, I'm, I'm sort of um, pl planning on um, uh, um, I guess planning on, on going um, solo myself and um, in, in the midterm. Um, I, I suppose in the next um, year to two years. And um, I'm not looking for really, like, you know, anyone to tell me uh, how to do it. I'm not looking for a how-to. What I'm looking for is just, I just have a bunch of questions about um, uh, what um, people's experiences have been like. Um, just just to get kind of a um a, a lay of the land um as it were if that makes any sense sure sure uh go for it so um so all these questions are pretty much directed at, uh, at anyone and everyone who's um started their own business um you know, in in any industry, I guess it's not a, it's not content specific, so so it should be answerable by just about everybody, I would think. Um, uh, first would be, um, well, um, uh, how how did you prepare for it, or did you even prepare for it, and um, and and what what did you do? Well, I didn't, so uh, I'll let some other entrepreneur. <laughs> I just sort of uh, more or less fell into it, so to speak. So I'm sure other people would have uh, better answers for that. Hey, Greg, it's Rich. Um, Hi, Rich. I went through business school, but I didn't find it particularly helpful um, for being an entrepreneur. What I did find helpful was the one class that I took, um, which was entrepreneur entrepreneurship. It just um, helped stimulate uh, the planning process, kind of brainstorming and beyond. And I think that was definitely the most helpful class in starting a business because it helped just helped me organize all of my ideas before I just, you know, before I went into it. That helped me come up with a business plan because we had to write three or four business plans in that class. And those are, I mean, they have those at community colleges. And, and the business plan helps you do what? Well, um, first of all, just kind of organize your thoughts about the business and organize, you know, just sh show if you're it's viable or not. And then if you need to get investment dollars, um, business plans are usually required. Okay, what what um how how, do, how does a business plan demonstrate viability? It, it's you kind of set a mission for yourself, and you um you know you basically project five years out. You know what your financials are going to be, and really just describe every detail of the business. It also uh, describes your audience, uh, your, sorry, your potential customers, 
uh, the size of the market, uh, why your product is different, you know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, I see. I see. I mean, you, ha you have to prove to investors, I mean, not that you're going to go for investors, you have to prove to them that you were not just shooting an arrow over a house hoping to hit a target. Well, but e even if you weren't shooting for investors, this could be a helpful exercise. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I, I certainly had some plans for FDR, but uh, nothing particularly specific that way. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I didn't actually seek investment for my own business. I just, you know, I was basically a freelancer. So it, it really just helped me organize um, my thoughts and, uh, you know, made it made it more real for me, you know, so I didn't, I wasn't just going into it blind and, you know, that, that planning process kind of takes away a lot of anxiety because you can get a good feel of what, what you're getting into. Now, Rich, your business was more, was it more of a, um, was it like a full service business or was it more of like a contracting slash consulting type thing or? Yeah, it was more contracting, consulting, and um, you know, to be fair, I it wasn't successful ultimately, and I think that's you know um, partially because I started to you know get into my own history and everything, and so that kind of shifted my energy away from it for for a while. And also, right. um, I was never very enthusiastic about sales. And so I, uh, I was unable to generate new business for myself. Right. That's another question I kind of had, too, was uh, how, how that would work. Um, but is, is there a different approach to um, starting or maintaining a um, uh, a like a consulting practice versus a, a a small business that's more either service or product oriented, and and I guess maybe this I don't know if Christine is actually there, but um, uh, yeah, you know, like what would be the difference between her starting her practice private and you starting your your business stuff? Well, she's not here, but the key differentiator is um, very low startup costs, right? So there's there's nothing sort of like structurally different about uh, about those two things as businesses. I other than you mean by nothing structurally different? Well, yeah, that's a good. Uh, <laughs> What am I trying to say? Um, well, which business? You, you're looking to start a service business, right? Right. Like like Christina would still need like a business plan, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, if it's just you and you don't need investment, to me it seems kind of like you need a kind of idea what you're doing. But, you know, you don't need a right. business plan if it's just you and you're not taking investment. It doesn't hurt, right? But Right. Uh, but business I would plans, say, sorry, business plans in many ways are wild ass guesses anyway, right? Well, I don't know. I've never done one. Well, I mean, just just to look at something like Christina's business. So there's stuff that we had to do, like we had to have business cards, we had to have an online presence, we had to have letterhead, we had to 
and, and we had to create letters of introduction for the doctors, right? Because it's the doctors who refer. You have to know where your business is coming from, right? How are you going to get your business? And she gets referred, uh, patients referred from doctors for the most part. Right. So we had to go uh, and, and meet and greet all the doctors, but, but we had no idea how it was going to go, right? Right, right. Okay, that's true. Like, like actually, when you face them, what, what would happen? Well, no, I mean, but whether they already had 10 therapists they referred to. Oops, uh, I think you broke up there. Well, uh, whether they had already therapists they were referring to. Yeah, you're completely unintelligible at this point, Steph. Okay, we'll just wait. All right. Just let me know when it's coming back. There we go. You're back. We didn't know whether they already have therapists they refer to, whether they have 10 therapists a day coming in saying, give me patients, right? Right, right. So we we obviously had some guesses, uh, but we didn't know until we did it. So sort of doing your own market research, too, well, at the same we, time. No, but we couldn't even do market research because that's not available. How many therapists are associated with how many doctors, right? So those num- you, you can't find those numbers anywhere? No, not really? in Canada, for sure. Wow. Well, but where would, you, where would you look, right? I mean, how would you know which doctors have relationships with which therapists? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Because they're not really required to kind of publish that anywhere either. No, no. Jake, you, I would you had... Say, yeah, I was just going to say on, on the business plan, I mean, I wouldn't sort of imagine it to be anything mysterious. It's just a plan in that sense, you know, it, you know, it has all the limitations of any plan that you're going to have for any project, right? So if you, obviously there are much better and much worse business plans, but the idea of the business plan is just to give you a plan. Standard things that, um, that, uh, that go in a business plan, that the kind of things that, um, that uh, Steph and Rich were talking about, but there's, there's nothing sort of uh, mysterious about about it. It's just a plan. My one was very, very, uh, I mean, non-existent at first. I just saw that um, there were a lot of people setting up companies in um, uh, in, uh, in the mid-90s and uh, thought that um, I could definitely do that and so decided to try and make a widget and um, and sell it and I mean it was really as <laughs> I just started the, the planning at the beginning with me was um, almost non-existent um, but as you go along you know you you continue doing more and more effective planning because you start to understand what it is that uh, you know what the main variables are and what you need to know and what you're trying to do now did, did you have to did you have to uh, eventually find investors, or did you go entirely solo from the beginning? Um, I took loans, so oh. um, I I did um, find investment, if you like, but it wasn't um, equity; it was loans. Just like personal loans, or personal loans, yeah. Wow. Okay. 
That's interesting. Yeah, commonly referred to as uh, debt-based financing. Yes. Yeah, we started off with some investment, about 80K in investment in Caribou, but a lot of personal loans as well. Interesting. And is that the same with... um, uh, if you don't mind my asking, uh, with Christina as well, or uh, well, she didn't require any startup capital, really. Oh, just the just yeah, the office, okay, right? right? Nothing we couldn't fund ourselves. Okay, okay. In a sense, the investment has already gone in in the education. If you're doing a consulting service like that, then you know Christina spent years and years training. Um, but at the end of the day, if it's a consulting service, it's really you advising someone. So, you know, it's just essentially it's you are the, you know, you're the capital. And so, you 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 know, you may need an office or you may need some kind of environment. But um, it's very different to a software company or something where, you know, you actually want to build a widget, which is going to take money before you can actually sell. In consulting, right. you could more or less just, you know, put on a tie and start selling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in that case, it's pretty much all selling, right? Well, entrepreneurship in general is pretty much all selling when you get to it. Like, this is the <laughs> other thing that I, I didn't really understand in the beginning, um, is that just how absolutely crucial selling is. And... Um, especially with a new business and if you're starting and establishing maybe, you know, a new kind of service or product or something. And I, I was personally, I was very focused on what we would do in the beginning. And I was thinking about the R&D and the technology and how interesting that was. And, you know, I wasn't focused on selling. And uh, that is something that you, you really learn um, very, very quickly is... Um, is what's going to make or break um, the business. That and a couple of other things which we can go into as we go along, I guess. Well, that that's actually kind of an interesting point, Jake, because um, in a sense, y- you were selling at the beginning, right? But it was just all it was just all pure enthusiasm for the for the thing you were building, right? Sure, sure, uh, and that obviously, you know, with with entrepreneurship, that's definitely um, a, an ongoing thing. But actual selling, as in, you know, getting people to pay money for your product or service, is um, is really just such an essential part of of, um, of making the business work. But but that right. has a lot to do with how much you love your your product, right? There's an, an infectious, right? So so building a great product is is really essential to say it. Yes, that's true. That's true. But I think that there is also, um, at least for me, I, I was really enthusiastic about the software and about the product, and, and that's certainly true, but I was definitely you know, trying to do the last log of, of selling, which um, which is is as integral a part of it. It doesn't matter in a sense if you if you if you're sitting in a basement, sort of working on the software, and and definitely the the um, the temptation for me was to just continue improving it and and developing it and adding nice um, bells and whistles. And at the end of the day, um, 
that that's great fun, but it actually doesn't mean anything if it doesn't sort of get out there and and, um, and get used by people. And then as soon as you do that, obviously, then you start getting more and more customer feedback, and then you start realizing what it really is that people need, and and the product itself becomes something much more um, useful and and, um, and much more sort of out there in the world. Was there a, for, for, was there a high kind of psychological hurdle to get over in terms of um, like like Rich was saying that uh, he really he really had a hard time with the with the sales uh, aspect of it. And there I are lots of psychological if... hurdles to get over. I find. <laughs> well, what uh, list them off? Well, it's everything. Curious. I mean, it's uh, for Christina. It was going to talk to the doctors. It was very hard for her um, because because they're they, they don't want to talk to her, right? See, nobody wants to talk to you when you're an entrepreneur, right? Oh, because uh, they know you're going to try and sell them something. Yeah, and they don't know. I mean, if they wanted it, they'd come to you, right? Right, that's the that's the attitude with most people, sure. And it's what we feel as well. So people view you, at least at the beginning, like a telemarketer at dinner time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's hard. It's hard to overcome that. Sure. Sure, and 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 getting beyond the stereotypes, right? So what did you, what did you do to do that? You just have to power through and deal with the feelings. There's no, there's no secret sauce. <laughs> secret I mean, Christina Corman, she's in tears in the parking lot because she was so afraid of going in. Plus, she'd worked in a hospital where the doctors uh, were kind of mean, right? Oh, wow. So it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Uh, I've definitely had lots of emotional meetings. You, know, you really have to work on the feelings. And, but you just have to do it, right? And then deal with the fallout. There's no magic. Right. Right. So it it really all comes down to just how how, how much you're willing to to, to 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 tolerate for the for the sake of the uh, for the sake of the idea. Right. Yeah. Sales is nine ninety nine point nine percent failure and rejection. It's just a numbers game, right? Yeah, what? it's basically a huge rejection sandwich again and again and again. Oh, wow. And that's tough. <laughs> and it's inevitable. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, just look at StumbleUpon, right? Nine times <laughs> rate, right? Nine times out of ten, they don't care at all about the site, let alone listen to become donators. Yeah, and the, and the, um, the, 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 um, the, the trap with something like StumbleUpon, though, is that you don't actually have to feel it, right? Oh, I feel it. <laughs> really? I yes. think when you when the dollars go out, you feel it, Greg. You feel it. <laughs> well, and a lot oh, of that's because true. people won't call you back, or they you know they put you off, or or you get these really annoying people who won't say no, but won't say yes either. It just wastes your time. Yeah, they're awful. Yeah, those are the worst. Like, tell someone telling you to fuck off is a relief, right? <laughs> That's it. I used to have the approach, or we used to have the approach that um, 
basically, um, you know, there's uh, a lot of people who will just not be interested, and you can uh, you can sort of get rid of that group. Then there's a gr- there is a group who, when you find them, they're just really enthusiastic, and they you know they 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 can see the value and they really want it, right? And then there's the group in between who might be persuaded and you know might not and everything, and. I just used to keep looking for those enthusiastic ones because everyone else is so it's just so, so wearing. Right, pouring all their time. Sorry? Pour, pouring all their uh, effort into the people in the middle um, thinking they can pull them over. As Steph is saying, they just waste your time, you know. Because maybe they're going to buy it, maybe they're not, and then you know you got to go meet them again, and it just goes on and on and on. And the ones who say no, at least at least you can move on. Um, but um, you know there are people who who will, if you have something good to sell, then there will be people who'll need it, and they'll and they'll really value it. And uh, you just have to you just have to realize that it's a numbers game. So so for you, you just completely discarded the people in the middle. Well, until you run out of others, right? But you have to prioritize yeah, you, contacts. It, yeah, you, it, it's not that you completely discard them, but you just heavily prioritize going after people who are, are going to get it and understand the value. Right. And and with the folks in the middle, did you have any kind of um, – did you set any kind of limit? Like, you know, three meetings, that's it, we're done kind of a thing or – well, uh, yeah, I don't think it was sort of literally. It, it's all a little bit more fluid than that. Normally, it's with the ones in the middle. It's constant phone calls, and then they want another proposal sent to them, and then they want more details, and then they're going to get back to you next month. And so, I mean, uh, it, it's a little bit more fluid. But yeah, basically, when you get the feeling that this is just messing about, um, then you know, um, it, it's it sort of becomes a bit more obvious after a while. And I would just chase it up, and then when it was clear that, I, that they weren't getting back to me, if I'd done a, like a few chases and and um, and I hadn't had a response, I would just say, "Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm guessing that this isn't something that's relevant at this at the moment. Uh, but if it is in the future, then please let me know, and I'll just move on." Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense. I guess. Um. What uh, going back to the, well, the earlier question? Um, how much would have been too much? Um, uh, what I mean is, uh, uh, stuff you were describing Christina's experience in the parking lot there. Um, at what point do you say uh, to yourself, "It's not worth it"? Well, there's no point. You you have to do it. It's not optional. So, so, so. I mean, you, you can't get patients except through the doctor. I mean, you can, but it's pointless, right? I mean, you, there's no option. Right, right. No, yeah, I see what you're saying. So, so in, in other words, once you've decided that it, that that um, that um, whatever. It, this thing is that you're pursuing. Once you've decided that that's sort of essential to your 
uh, long-term goals, your long-term happiness, then, then, then there really is nothing in between that's too much. Well, no, it's, it's, not, not, it's not nothing. It's just that whatever is – I mean you have to get customers, right? You have to get customers right. or you're not a business, right? Right. So you ha- I mean whatever you have to do to get the customers, you have to do, right? Whether that's cold calling or talking to doctors or taking out – we took out ads in the yellow pages that were expensive. You just have to do it, right? Right. Or, or – or, or selling to the government. <laughs> well, let's uh, try and stay on, on one topic at a time. <laughs> well, that's what I'm asking is, uh, you know, how, what, at what point would you have said, um, you, know, I, you know, as much as I want to be in business for myself, I'm not doing X. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of personal choices around that, right? I mean, there's, there's hard to say. There's an objective line. Okay, so that's more of a personal choice then. Yeah, I, mean, may, I, may I, ask? I would not have failed. I would have not let my business fail because of a government contract. I wouldn't have done it. I'm not giving up years of 80 hours a week uh, work and so on, you know, for the sake of something that will never change the system. I mean, that's just me, right? But other people may feel differently. Right, right, right. Somebody else had a comment? Yeah, I was just going to ask, uh, what type of uh, a consulting service are you, are you thinking about? Um, um, uh, private dispute resolution, uh, mediation. I'm actually taking a course right now in, in, in mediation, and um, I'm, I'm not certain that I would actually start out right out of the box uh, on my own, but um, that's definitely a um, uh, um, a long um, a goal beyond the midterm. So that's that's one of the reasons. To- say again. I was going to say, have you spoken to anybody in that field? Uh, yeah, actually, I've been talking to uh, a bunch of people <laughs> involved in it. Um, uh, mostly through the, there's a, a professional association that um, has these conference calls every other Wednesday, and I've been chatting with those folks about it. Oh, cool. Um, te- technically, I'm not supposed to be part of that association, but um, they have, they have such a small uh, group of people involved in it at the moment that uh, they pretty much will take anything. <laughs> Lying, lying, faking, and exploiting. It's like you're an entrepreneur already. Uh, Lying, faking, faking, and exploiting. It's like you're an entrepreneur already. Oh, 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 okay. All right. Sorry. (laughs) I was a little slow on the uptake there. Don't worry. It'll all become clear as you move forward. <laughs> I, I think, Greg, that the social connections are really important. That's what I've been finding lately. Is I've been uh, strengthening my professional connections. Is that I don't have to look for as much work anymore because I've helped my friends get work, so they help me get work too. So it's like I don't have to hunt everywhere. You invest in those relationships. You see which ones pay off and which don't. Well, that's an interesting point. Right, your your 
freelance writing right now. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, that's that's still basically contract work. I'm in business for myself. So, right, right. But for you, it was a lot less. Um, well, let me ask well, you: Was it? Uh, I mean, did you actually like have a plan, or was it more just sort of? I want to do this and I'm going to, or? Um, for me, like just when I, when I just started, it was, uh, I saw a, an opportunity that was a uh, freelance, you know, freelance writing for money. You know, I just noticed it and jumped on it, sent in some clips and went into it. But in terms of planning for it, my whole life has been planning to do this stuff. So it's not, it's yeah. It's like I've I've been training for this by keeping my nose in books and newspapers and stuff since I was a kid. So. Oh, I I see. So so for you, it was more of a kind of a, a life's uh, life's goal. Yeah. And I more or less also set up my life so that I didn't really have any other. I mean, this this is such a solid thing for me that there were no other choices that made sense to make. Right. And did you have? Um, and this is a question for uh, anybody on the call. Um, did Did you have any kind of like backups in mind, like, um, or or were you just hell bent on? This in, is going to succeed, period. In July, I was frightened that I'd have more trouble finding work than I thought it, than it, it turned out being. It turned out way to be uh, much easier to find quality contracts than I thought. But at that time, I also, I, at the same time, I was applying for, you know, labor, jobs, anything, basically, whatever would stick. But, but it's funny, like, all those jobs totally rejected me and all the writing jobs said yes. So at this point, it's like, you know... Doesn't That's make any sense to do anything else. Right, and and when uh, stuff when you started Caribou was was it just sort of an all or nothing kind of a deal for you? Um, for the first while, I had a day job, like FDR. Oh, I see. Okay. But Christina was all or nothing. She quit and then started. And and um, what what was the di- uh, without getting into too many details? What's what, what was the difference in the decision making? Well, she had a plan B, which was my income, so to speak, right? Oh, right, right. That's a good point. Right. So, so if you're you're kind of working on your own, it's it's good to have a plan B, I guess. Well, some savings, low costs, you know, whatever it is that it takes uh, to, to – because if you get too stressed, you can't be effective, right? You have to manage your stress as an entrepreneur. Right? And when you get too stressed, you, you, you make bad decisions. You take on clients you shouldn't take on, right? Rich, we talked about this once, right? Like you end up not enjoying it and it ends up being kind of a death spiral. Yeah, don't make that mistake. Uh... It's, yeah, uh, def- it's not worth taking not. on these clients that just suck the life out of you because, right? you know, you end up doing that over and over and over again until, uh, yeah, I just couldn't do it anymore. Well, what's the um, 
uh, maybe I'm I'm getting overcomplicated here. But what's the difference between between that and and um, and and the anxiety around selling? Um, I'm not sure I understand what you mean. Well. Yeah, let me see if I can. Like, like, uh, um, well, let me, let me ask you, Rich, what, what, um, why, why was it, um, why did you find that the, the, the sales work was, was, was too much to bear? Um, because, well, these bad clients were kind of, a safe thing for me you know i i already had them they had other contacts which i made money off of but you know one bad client um, refers me to another bad client refers me to another one i could have kept making money if you know i I guess i couldn't have because i became too depressed to do it but um you know it was just a network of of uh, you know, clients that I had bad re- had created bad relationships with. Oh wow! Okay, so, so... it my fear relationships that I let that overcome my comfort in having these people get bad clients. Okay, it's like that thing about property rights where you you steal a banana because you're stopping. But a banana. Just whatever will fill your belly. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's important to manage your stress and keep yourself with options financially so you don't end up having to just take whatever. Right, right. Oh, yeah, and you, you kind of did that with FDR as well, right? Yes. I mean, I, I waited until there was at least a possibility of a stable income through FDR. So that I wouldn't feel that I had to pander, right? Or I could make it without the libertarians, so to speak, or without politics. Right, right. Right, so you can be more selective about your uh, clientele, Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you can do a business I, through that kind of stress, right? Where you end up saying, "Well, I got to keep the business, so I'll take these customers." And then you end up hating your business, right? You know, that's an excellent point. I sort of recognize that from from my work in operations in both the companies that I've worked for now. They have, um, it's, it's the strangest thing. It's huge. Co- I mean, I've worked for giant corporations. But when you get down to the operations level, um, every Tom, Dick, and Harry that would call and complain would just consume entire days right. in the data center, right? Because they were a customer. No matter who they were, no matter what they wanted, no matter how much revenue they generated, 
we would just service them whatever they whatever they asked for, and it always irked me because because as big as 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 big a company as these companies were, you would think that they would be able to sort of prioritize and allow us to prioritize and knowing and, um, I mean man. there's there's Harvard Business Review studies that. Yeah, 80, 20% of your customers eat up 80% of your costs and are ne- negatives. Knowing when to fire your customers is very, very, very important. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. And being that's able to the point to of being an entrepreneur and then never being able to say no. I mean, <laughs> it's like being <laughs> an employee without any security, right? Right, right. Yeah, at some, at some point, points I just felt like I had six really bad bosses. <laughs> right. And that was all my my fault. I mean, no, it wasn't I all your fault. Nice try. Well, not not all my fault, but I mean, it was partly my fault for for not saying no, for not having the courage to say no. Right, and, and uh, I mean, obviously, I say no to FDR people from time to time as well, right? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. So, and you just know that having... emotionally when you just don't want to talk to them anymore, right? When you look upon calls with dread, right? <laughs> Well, and being able to distinguish that dread from the dread of just taking a call at all. Yeah, well, sure. uh, in my in my in my case. <laughs> well, see, but right. an entrepreneur is not about taking calls; it's about making calls, right? It's even worse. Right, right. Reaching out and having to prove your value, right? You're not going to be sitting there waiting for the phone to ring. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a dream. Right, that makes sense. So this stability to be able to say no is kind of essential. Yeah, if if you if you yeah, that's one of the yeah. If you're if you're totally like you can't live without this next customer, and you know that they're not good, then you you, you, you that's a, not a good planning as an entrepreneur. Right, that makes sense. Like if I had to get articles published on Lou Rockwell in order to get listeners. That would affect what I'm doing, right? Well, at one point that was sort of true. Yeah, absolutely. Right. At the beginning it was true, but it wasn't my income. Whoops, you're cutting out. Hold still for a second. It was true. Am I back? Am I back? Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. Hello? Hello? Yep, you're back now. Uh, Steph sounds like a transformer. It's true, but it wasn't my income, right? Um, not at first? It wasn't my income at the beginning. It was a hobby, right? Oh, right, right, right. Right. That's true. And And you were just sort of drumming up interest at the time. Well, and I, too, not I didn't really. know what I didn't know about libertarianism. Right, right. That's true. Yeah, it would be different now, right? Because yeah, yeah. now you're... If I was dependent yeah. upon Mises and the goodwill of religious... It would just condition everything I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's an excellent point. So, so it, the... the um, um, the, the use of those resources back then was more more was not was it it wasn't a dependence it wasn't a question of dependency it was a um 
it was just um it was more of an experiment right well it's like i like these articles uh i wonder if they'll publish mine i mean there was no plan there was no business plan it was just hey you know i got some stuff to say right that makes sense and it's the same thing with you know you, you don't want to be so dependent on your customers that you can't discriminate Right. Well, was that the case for you with Caribou at any point? Or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, but do, do I mean, it wasn't that... Michael. But we had some customers. It's like, you know, we have to make payroll. We have to make the sale. Whatever it takes to make the sale. I mean, there are a couple of times where if the fax hadn't come in that day with the purchase order, we'd have been done. Yikes. So those you take, right? And but you try and weed those out and build a stable base and so on. So, uh, so yeah. So if you're if you're going whole hog, um, all or nothing, at some point in time, you have to be willing to take whatever you can get. Well, the thing is, though, see, and this is one of the very cash flow is king in business, and what that means is that businesses have fixed expenses, right? Rent, payroll, whatever, right? Right. Every every month, it's like Pac-Man, waka waka waka, right? <laughs> sure. And you can have a million dollars of sales in the pipe, but you can't make payroll this month, right? And you're done. Yeah, until those sales go through, right? No, no, you're done. Because you can't make payroll. That's it. People walk home, Greg, and you get kicked out of the office, and the landlord takes it back. Yeah, you're done. And, and you're liable for a whole bunch of stuff because you've got leases and shit, right? Oh, and man. your employees ruin your reputation. Oh, it's horrible, right? I mean, that's why, you know, you don't want to go there. Right? But, but you're doing a one-man shop, right? So it's going to be less stressful, right? But you're going to have fixed yeah. expenses, right? So the expenses just whack, whack, whack. They just keep chewing away at your pie, right? You just got to keep making more pie. And if there's a mismatch, then that's it, right? Right, right, right. That's right. That's a good point. I mean, the the, the two sort of uh, experiences, I guess I would say, that, that I learned very quickly doing a con- consulting gig is, number one, you can never predict your income. So it's always good to have, uh, I would say, personally, six months of, of, of revenue for for your entire expense, uh, rent and, and food and living and all that stuff. But the other thing is, is you get to pick your business, so you you have that uh, that flexibility as well. And that's why working out of your home is such an ideal thing at the beginning. Uh, say again. Well, that's why working out of your home is so ideal at the beginning, because you're not adding to your costs. Right, it's like uh, the costs are invisible. Right, right, because yeah, you've uh, got to have a place to sleep anyway, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, it's. I mean, you're already living there, so the, the expense is already a necessity. Well, and you end up with tax deductions and all those kinds of good things, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, the home office thing. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, right. Right. As much as you can off. I mean. You know, to the point where you're not going to be audited, but just figure out exactly what 
parts of your, um, you know, I, I get CPA actually. CPAs can tell you a lot about that. Yeah, I, I, I would also say that since you are going into a, a mediation type business, um, you really want to have your your legal I's dotted and T's crossed because, um, you know, one lawsuit and you could be wiped out for the rest of your life. So you really want to make sure and be on the up and up regarding that stuff. And insurance. I mean, we, we have because people were coming to our house, we had insurance, like if they slipped on our walk, that kind of stuff. But that's not going to be probably the same for you. That's a good point. But, yeah, you have to have an accountant. I mean, you just, it's, it's, you just have to. Yeah, I don't know the first thing about any of that. So uh, there's there's no way to, to learn and keep up on the laws, right? And, and I think people get audited less if they have an accountant, right? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, actually. Um, well, my I, I hear rumors, like the deal but... is if I ever get audited, he works for free, right? So he'll be all over them. So they don't want that. That's not easy, right? That doesn't help them make their numbers. No, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. So um, just a couple of other questions, I guess. Um, um, for um, those of you who are... Um, no longer entrepreneurs, or or rather, um, I guess I should say... Um, Pitiful begging charities. <laughs> had a business and don't now, or uh, had a business and, and sold it, or, or what have you. Um, um, why, why did you decide to, um, or maybe it decided to get rid of you, uh, why did you decide to... Uh, um, sell it or, or uh, get rid of it or well uh, in, in, in my experience uh, it, it was just because um, I just wasn't making the numbers you know you have uh, more expenses than you have income so uh, there, there comes a time when uh, you can only go into debt so much more when you just have to pull the plug and uh, you know, you pull the plug and you get a job or you do whatever, and then you work on the next idea. I mean, most successful entrepreneurs, they've, you know, they failed 20 times before they got that hit, right? So um, for me, it was just basically looking at the math and saying, well, this is not sustainable for another two months. Pull the plug, start over. I would, sorry, I personally would never start another software company because I just don't have big ideas that way. I mean, I didn't have a big idea for the one that I was in. It's just that that was the business we had and so i but i don't ha i mean i just don't have big ideas for killer apps or whatever um and for me i think it was just I needed some stability and some time to take to myself you know i just uh i didn't have the energy to focus on myself and focus on running my own business at the same time just too much energy I think for me, yeah. Don't cool. don't plan on having any sort of uh, any sort of social life or or family time or anything like that for the first year, or uh, <laughs> you won't be very successful. <laughs> interesting. Well, that's an interesting point. Go ahead, Jake. I think for me that was always 
the end goal was to to sell because I mean, there's the two. In a sense, that was what I considered to be the sort of the end of the project, if you like, because um, otherwise it would be like a lifestyle company where I would want to do that all my life, and um, you know, that would just be a sort of vehicle to to um, support me in income for the rest of my life. But um, I think in even in the very beginning of setting it up, I, I wanted it to be something that would last for initially I thought five years um, and then I wanted to go and do something else and I didn't have a good idea about what that would be but um, uh, in the end it took um, more like uh, eight or nine years but um, it's good to know what's your strategy like what's your long-term goal as an entrepreneur right so for Jake it was to sell out and become a corporate fat cat um, but uh, it's good to know. Christina does not do this to be bought out, right? Hello. Yeah, it's, it's well, that was... your, what your exit goal or exit strategy is. Uh, long-term goal, right? Right. Uh, right. I mean, so she's for... not building her business in order to sell it to, you know, ABC Psychology Corporation, right? She's building it to start a movement and all that kind of stuff. I'm not building FDR to be bought out by CNN, obviously, right? But uh, uh, it's important to know what your goals are because that will also help measure how much you put into it. Or if your goal is to pump and dump, right, make a lot of money and sell it, then you'll work much harder with, you know, you'll burn out at some point if you don't make it. Right. In that case, it'll be all work in the short term, right? Yeah. A lot of – whereas something you're planning on hanging on to would be – Something you'd invest more um, steadily, maybe less hysterical. <laughs> right, going more for endurance than uh, than than uh, high performance. Exactly. That makes sense. Although you know the people who are going to buy a company are not stupid, and you can't. You may be able to do this, but. In my field, in, in a consultancy, you, you know, you, you can't really uh, sort of fake massive growth. It's, it, it would be obvious if it's not sustainable. So, you know, at the end of the day, if it's a solid business and um, whether or not you want to sell it or, or maintain it, um, you know, you, you, you still have to have good fundamentals if you, if you want to sell it. No, that makes sense. Um... Uh, it's a little different if it's floated and if if it has a um you know if you if you're looking at the share price then you're into a whole different ball game but if it's a, a privately owned company then you've got to have strong fundamental long-term prospects for growth in order to sell it you can't you just can't fake that if it's already floated that's a whole different ball game because then you know then there are all sorts of forces at play yeah, companies don't buy for revenue, they buy for growth. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's good information right there. If, uh, um, if, if there was anything you could have done differently uh, about um, um, 
the the companies you've run in the past or are running now. Uh, if there was anything you could have done differently um, up to now, what would it be? I, I can't. I mean, because when you're embedded, you're always trying to make the best decisions at the time. And I don't think I tried to avoid or, or sleaze myself with decisions. Uh, I don't. I don't know what I would have. I don't know what I would have or could have done differently. Um, so I'm sort of satisfied with that. But maybe there's something I'm missing. Or maybe other people have thoughts. No, you know, I, I go I back to that saying no to people. I'd go back to that saying no to people who are not going to be worth your time because that is really, really hard to do at the beginning. But it's one of the most important things to learn because then you can just save yourself a lot of headaches. So that's that's about all I can think of. Oh, yeah, I would have detrolled FDR a little sooner in the past for sure. I think that's an excellent point. And I, I would have um, tried to overcome my fear of sales Maybe take some courses, you know, get get into it a little more so I had the knowledge. So that's a great point, too. Just to, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jake. Go ahead. The only thing I would say is that, um, um, you know, with regard to this sort of, um, you know, business knowledge, things that you need to learn and, and so forth, you really can um, give a, a huge amount of that to your accountant to take care of, except for cash flow. You really have got to completely understand cash flow and to be on top of it all the time with your business. Um, and you know that's something that um, it would have been good to to get uh, to just really understand that a little bit sooner but you know i learned it i learned it um the hard way and that and, and and pretty fast when you when you have to um but um yeah you've you've absolutely got to to be on top of cash flow you also um have got to just get out there and get selling as soon as possible and talk to clients it's so important to just engage with people who are actually going to going to buy this as soon as you can and um, yeah I think everything else I feel the same way as Steph I mean uh, it's hard to know exactly what you do differently because you know you just you just crack on basically so um, so what I'm what I'm sort of hearing here is uh, three things um, as sort of the three most important things talked about so far tonight and maybe you guys can chime in where you think I might be um, right or wrong about this but um, developing uh, developing relationships with um, customers first of all finding customers and working them and you know finding the best way to work them um, would be one the second would be um, uh, just networking professionally, and the third would be um, um, making sure your financial ducks are in a row. In terms of both, in terms of uh, um, supporting yourself, and in terms of supporting the business. Is that right? 
Well, Jake, how how important did you find the networking aspect? Uh, well, it's hard to say because um, uh, you know a huge amount of it was entirely wasted, but some of it did bring us the contracts that that, that got us. So it's a bit like advertising in that respect, you know. Um, I would say that um, just in terms of what you just said, Greg, it's not so much working the contacts. I, I think what you have to try and do is empathize with the people that you're trying to sell to, understand what it is that they really need and you know, get on the other side and on, from your client's perspective. Look at yourself from your client's perspective and try and understand whether or not you're actually doing what you, you know, what, what they need. I mean, for example, what I was trying to sell was quite sort of um, jargony and academic in the beginning and um, some of the value wasn't entirely clear. Um, but, um, you know, networking, I, I would say that the way in which networking was important for me the two things that were really important in getting started was that we did some some contracts. We went out, we found the best possible clients that we could imagine, and like the the most um, high level, high profile developers who are really, really um, sort of on the enlightened end of the spectrum, right? And we basically offered to do work for them at almost free. Mm. And that was really hard to do, um, and that was also quite scary in, in cash flow terms. But it gave us a couple of projects that were demonstrations of value, and that was hugely important. The second thing um, that was really, really important, and this is where networking is not uh, by networking. I don't mean you know going to meetups where you all sort of you know. Uh, eat cheese and drink wine and, and sort of look over each other's shoulders. It's not this type of networking, but the networking that, that really mattered and really played a huge role for me is basically partnering. And what that was was um, rather than cold calling the clients who were, in my case, developers um, and saying we would like to sell you this type of computer modeling service, what we would do is we would approach architects and engineers who we would not be selling to because they wouldn't ultimately be paying for this, but they would be a route to the people who would be paying for it. So what we would essentially be saying is, why don't you um, let us come onto your bid as a sort of added value, and that will you know, really show you to be a better design team for this job or whatever. And uh, that got us in to projects with the real clients who we wanted to work for. So that type of networking was really, really important. That's actually that's an interesting point because that's almost exactly um, that. That's sort of exactly what Steph was saying about uh, Christina approaching doctors, right? Just sort of partnering with the doctors for customers. Yeah, and, and this, I mean, what, what, how do you differentiate entry into a market? You have to offer something that's not around. I mean, the system, I guess the most expensive system that I built when sold was about $1.2 but the very first one was 5000 right? And it was like we, we ate our toenails on that one, right? So, and of course, FDR is all about free samples, right? So, uh, <laughs> you know, why would someone go with you rather than with someone who's established, right? Well... 
because if they go with you, they'll get it for less, right? At least right. at, well, at first, uh, right? So you, you have to figure out why you as opposed to everyone else, right? Right. Well, uh, for less and for, you know, you, I mean, you get all the the added um, benefit of uh, a consistent philosophy, right? Yeah. Now, Christina's right below average for sure. Um, and all that means is we had to look for cheaper offices, right? But But both in terms of market differentiation and in terms of not wanting to price certain clientele out of the market. I guess we both have that <laughs> philosophy, right? But you would you wouldn't say that that's necessarily an estimation of the value of her services, though. That's just a that's a tactical move, right? To to uh, attract. She's the best clients, therapist on the planet. Right? I mean, uh, she's the best therapist on the planet, no doubt. But um, right, right, you know, once we have it's the FDR philosophy, right? Once you have enough to live on and you can do good. Um, what does more get you, right? Right, right, exactly. Right. I mean, unless you've got some long-term planning in mind, um, where where the additional revenue would be useful, but then also, yeah, um, limiting. Um, you know, you, you lose in volume what you gain in. Uh, in the individual, right? The well, I'm not sure what that means, but I, I would just say that it's just a matter of what it is. What do you want to do with your business? Do you want to make money or do you want to help people? And those two aren't mutually exclusive, of course, right? But, I mean, Christina right. could charge more and she would get certain types of different clients and there'd be more money, but she wouldn't be helping some of the people she really wants to help. Right, 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 right. So it's it's more a question of just targeting who it is you're trying to reach. Right, and and when you charge more, all that has to, I mean, all that happens is you have to have a fancier office, right? <laughs> right it doesn't actually right. change anything in, in the end, right? Right. Because this is not a no, widget business, true. right? So it's an hourly business. Right. It's a it's a service. Yeah. Right. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So it all, it all really kind of comes down to uh, uh, relationships. Yeah, I mean, and, and how is it that you want to spread out your costs, right? I mean, I could charge a dime for FDR podcasts. Maybe I'd make the same amount that I'm making through donations, or maybe I'd make more. But I wouldn't be doing what I want to do with, with the skills that I have. Right. Right. And and I mean, you're able to sustain yourself basically on the relationships that you're developing with your audience. Right. 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 And so that's that kind of matters. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm rolling the dice on relationships, not on income. Right. Because that's how the growth of as we've talked about recently, that's how the growth of the business is is going to FDR is going to go. I don't want to make this about FDR, but it's based on the relationships and people's passion about what we're doing. Not based on uh, I will fund big advertising through charging X or whatever. Right, and the, and the relationship is um, is is sort of based on the the mutual exchange of value. Right, right, and sometimes, sometimes, the, sometimes you give first, and sometimes the customer gives first. Right. 
what sense do you mean that? Well, I was just thinking about, um, like, like in your example, Jake, right? Sometimes, um, um, like, like with, uh, like establishing relationship with partners, your partner's customers already sort of are invested in, in the partner, right? By the time they get to you, so that that's sort of what I meant by that. But I'm not sure where I was going with. That. Um, that's pretty much all the questions I had. I mean, I don't know if anyone else has any questions or. Uh, well, well, I, I would just say about the um, the consulting a business. Um, I mean, you, you don't really start a consulting business unless you have some relationship uh, as far as networking goes, because it's going to be really, really tough to just you know open your doors as you know Joe's consulting business, and you're you're going to spend all your money on on advertising. I mean, you really need to have at least some basis to start with to get the ball rolling and the good thing about consulting is you can do it while you're doing other things so you can still have an income stream from a secondary source so i would just um you know if it was, if it was me doing it again i would concentrate much more on developing my my relationships first before putting up the sign because uh, it would save a, a lot of headaches and, and money in the long run and and when you when you say that what what I mean just in concrete terms what does that mean uh, developing the relationships well, more? Uh, well, for example, um, if if you let's just, let's just take software and, and IT I guess for an example, if you already work in an IT shop or you're already a developer, um, chances are you know some people who are looking for the type of work that you could do, and getting those jobs is a lot easier because you already have an in versus, you know, just taking an ad out somewhere and saying, you know, Joe's IT services. Um, you're, you're probably not going to get the, uh, the bites because you don't have a reputation. Whereas if you start with your internal networks, you, you probably already have the reputation enough to get the jobs. Right. That makes sense. So credibility is sort of required for, well, yeah. I mean, the, the whole idea of consulting is the person is buying your your uh, your opinion. Well, I, I I don't know if they're buying your opinion, but um, they're supposedly buying your expertise in something, right? Your knowledge or your skill or your insight or something tangible beyond just opinion, right? Because everybody has opinions. I have a question for you, Greg. Um, so, why do you want to um, set up a business? Uh, why, why do I want to? Um, I would say because... Um, 
well, long term, I'd, I'd 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 like to uh, I'd like to be uh, working for myself. Um, I'd like I, I'd like to be in a situation where I'm answering to me and not to um, someone else. I guess um, where um, I get to decide. Um, What it is that I'm, uh, I'm, where I get to decide what my value is and how I'm going to, um, um, put it out there and who I'm going to offer it to and all of those things. If that makes any sense. Um, working for somebody else, um, um, I mean, is um, I mean, it's it's not it's not an exclu uh, it's it's not a um, an either or kind of situation. I mean, uh, like I say, I might for the first year or so, or maybe maybe a little longer, be working for somebody else initially. But long term, I'd like to be able to. Sort of um, put put my fate in my own hands. Right, right. No, I totally understand that. Um, and I guess my my follow up question would be, um, how much is that worth to you? How much are you willing to pay for it? Uh, well, Jake, at this point, I've um, uh, pretty much everything I have. I've, I'm I've paid. Um, pretty much everything I have, um, and then some. So it's it's worth it's worth um, <laughs> it's worth everything to me. Now, I just sort of wanted to to mention that in your field, it's not like you're going to be in the same thing as you are with IT, right? So Christina's employees are pretty independent. Right. Um, I'm not sure what you mean by that. Sorry, who? You. Oh, well, uh, so she does the advertising. She has the offices. She has the relationships. And then her therapists get, like she refers a patient to one of her therapists, right? And they call them back. They set up the appointment. They go meet them, right? It's unsupervised. There's no punch clock, right? Oh, I see. I see. Sure, sure. So what I mean okay. by that is that your field, I mean, there's just you in the room, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it may not be quite as restrictive as, well, I know for sure it won't be sitting doing what you're doing right? or what you've ever been doing. <laughs> right, right. It's it's a it'll definitely be a total departure from what I'm doing now. There's no question about that. Right. I'm I, I have no illusions about it. Um or at least I'm trying not to have. Just to clarify also, Greg, I wasn't asking you how much it was important how important it was you to for you to change your field and go into dispute resolution 
and I, I totally get that. I was just specifically asking about the working for yourself part. No, that's an interesting point. If, um, if you were to just to sort of put that in perspective, right? If you were to think of all the things that you want, including, you know, time to do other things, um, you know, your social life, um, just all the things that, that may be important to you, and not dispute resolution as a subject area, but specifically the idea of working for yourself, how important is that to you? Well, let me tell you, what what it is that I want is this. I, I want... Um, uh, in in general terms, I guess, um, what what I want is to be able to offer. Um, uh, I, I want to be able to help people in such a way that uh, it um, it it teaches them the value of um, the philosophy of. Nonviolence, right? Um, sort of um, an extension of what um, is going on at FDR, right? Um, I, I want to be able to do I, um, something that is going to help people solve their problems. Um, I like problem solving, but also at the same time, um, uh, you know. That are important, showing people what the world could be like, right? And 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 the mediation um, concept to me seemed to 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 fit that bill, and so you know, however I can do that, uh, I'm going to do it, right? And and um. And I, my my thinking was that doing it privately by my you know on my own as a private practice would be ideal because then I could sort of I could tailor what I'm doing um, to to be the most most effective at that at that end goal of sort of teaching peace and freedom. Uh, on a personal level, as well as uh, simultaneously helping them uh, solve their problems, resolve disputes, and that sort of thing, right? Um, that that's that's sort of the long-term vision of it, and 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 so I don't know. If, I don't know. Like Steph was saying, it is, you have a lot more. Um, autonomy um, in in something like um, what she's doing, like her, like her her employees, but 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 you still have to sort of you have rules of well, there's. I mean, Steph, let me ask you. I mean, a therapist wouldn't be able to, to come into her practice and just kind of um, do whatever they wanted to. She has a certain standard in mind, right? Well, sure, but you work that out in the interview, right? 
Right. So, so she uh, will ask in an interview something like, have you ever counseled someone to separate from his or her family? And if the guy says, are you kidding? I would never do that. Family is everything, right? Then that wouldn't be someone she would just, right? Wait, uh, at that point, you... I'm sorry. At that point, they are pretty much doing whatever they want, right? As long as they, as long as they can meet that standard of quality, it sounds like they do have a, a ton of autonomy. I don't know if that's what Greg's asking, but well, there there is, autonomy, have a lot of, there is autonomy, but only if the values are compatible, right? And if the values aren't compatible, right. then you know, like I'm free to spend my day picking my nose if I want, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, I have the commitment to this this conversation, right? So that's that's what I do. So you have autonomy if your values are compatible, right? If that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. That's yeah, that's true. So she's not just going to hire someone, uh, you know, off the streets and say, do whatever you want, right? <laughs> right. I mean, no, that's, that's all dealt right. with during the interview process. Yeah, that's that's kind of a false dichotomy. That's for sure. Yeah, so... So so yeah so I guess um, you know that's an ex- that's an interesting observation, Jake. Uh, I guess. It, but you'll you'll figure bottom like, line you'll is, figure that out as you, you know, you say you're not going to start as an entrepreneur, which I think is quite wise. Um, right. But so you'll work for someone, and maybe you get ninety five percent of the gain with zero percent of the risk, right? Right, that's true. That's so. Um, I have this fear that if I don't jump in all or nothing, that uh, I'm not really. I'm sorry. I'm I'm losing you there. You're not really what? To put it in the way you just put it, if I. Uh, are we back on? Um, Sorry, Greg, you were just uh, out a bit at the end there. Yeah, what I, w- what I was saying was, um, you know, if I'm not willing to take any risk initially, what you know, what does that say about my commitment to this endeavor? I think right. that by switching professions in midlife to something that's completely unrelated, you're okay for risk. <laughs> that's that's a good point. I mean, you don't have to take out your own appendix while skydiving to <laughs> qualify for risk, right? One or the other, it's okay, right? Right. No, that's a good point. And that was actually one of the, that was sort of the question I was asking earlier about you guys, you know, how much how much risk and how much personal pain would be you know, too much to actually bother doing it. Right. Well, I, I, would, you know, I, I don't know. I would, I would never have said no to the opportunities that I had, and it was given or earned and was given. I wouldn't. Ha- I would never have said no to. Do you want to co-found a business? I mean, the, to do what? Right. <laughs> I was a junior COBOL programmer. Right. Of course, I'm going to do it. Right. Um, 
Oh, right, relative to what you were doing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like, yes, I will I will do it, right? And I never would have, I mean, I, obviously I'm completely thrilled about FDR and so on. But, um, uh, so I'm, I'm very glad I took those opportunities. I don't think you could pay me enough to go back uh, to being a software entrepreneur, frankly. <laughs> I think it would be, a, you know, a fate worse than death, right? Um, so I'm very glad that I did it. I'm very glad I spent all those years doing it, and uh, I'm happy to n- never do it again. Yeah, I don't know if this gets at what you're, you're talking about, Greg, but, I mean, is there a way to find maybe an older, more established person who does what you want to do? You maybe join their office. Uh, they start handing off clients to you as they get too busy or maybe smaller clients, so you're you know, you own that business, and then eventually you either take over that older person's business or you build up so much clientele of your own that you're, you're off and running. I mean, is that well, along the in, lines of what you're getting at? And, in fact, there are actually uh, um, um, consultancies that, um, that do this now that, that take on employees. So uh, it, it wouldn't – I mean, it would be a challenge, but it wouldn't be impossible to find an office that uh, I could hook up with that – uh, is already doing this, which is one of the reasons why um, uh, why the, the I, that idea was so appealing to me because it, you get a chance to sort of just, just sort of see how people are doing it now in practice, right? You know, and and kind of have a um, ha- have a model from that you can then if you decide. Uh, tinker with and modify and, and uh, explore on your own as well, right? And you can go on the coattails of that other person's credibility and sort of helps you get up and running. Well, you, you have to kind of be careful of that, too, because with, uh, 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 I mean, I, with, like with, uh, I don't know if this is true for mediators, but with lawyers, uh, like, for example, I mean, you sign on with an office, you, you're going to end up signing a non-competition agreement at some point, right? So I couldn't just... Oh, right. Yes, jump but, uh, sorry, a non-competition agreement, it cannot take away your livelihood, right? No, that's true. That's, so that's, they, they that's can't true. say, after you work here, you can't be a mediator, Right. <laughs> right, right. I mean, no, I had right. this. Uh, I had this battle with, um, uh, with, with this. Uh, um, so uh, obviously, a non-solicitation, you can't take existing clients. That is obviously perfectly reasonable and sensible. Um, but this non-compete thing, um, I think what they mean is you, you can't set up an office next door, you know, with a name that's one letter different, right? But they can't see. They can't ever say, and you can't go and start up your own shop and be a mediator. That's the no, no, no non-compete can take away your livelihood. That's what I'm saying. Right, and and the practice is is so small right now that um, uh, it would be. I mean, it, they would have to make a really good case to say that you couldn't practice in the same town or the same city as. No, them. they couldn't do that. I mean, they just couldn't. But what, but that's all negotiation, right? So what you can right. do is. You can set up a cross-referral system, right? So if I'm too busy, I'll send my overflow to you. If you're too busy, you can send them to me. If you have expertise and I don't, I'll send that. Christina does this, right? So if she doesn't do some particular form of therapy, she'll send them to someone else and they'll do the same, right? Oh, that's an interesting idea. Right, so yeah. this co-opetition thing is, is, uh, is, is uh, very essential in terms of business. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that. I mean, I do it all the time, right? I don't do therapy because I'm not a therapist. 
So I say to people, <laughs> you know, if you want therapy, and I think you should, then this is you should go to this person, right? Right. Yeah, no, then I want you to succeed. And sorry. Say again. Well, I said they might, they might want you to succeed. They might want you to have your own line of business. I mean, so non-compete might be the total opposite of what's going to happen, you know? And especially in, a, in, sorry, in a new field, uh, the more practitioners there are, the better, because then that way people have even heard about this, you know, mediation or dispute resolution. Yeah, that's a good point. So uh, point. that there should be like, there should, like there's no way that uh, um, a, a podcast is going to take away from what I do, right? The fact that there are philosophical podcasts are out there, great. You know, more people will search for them, more people will be interested in them, and people will come to me. They'll maybe go to other people. But it's such a um, – if you're the first two guys in the gold rush, you don't fight over claims, right? <laughs> right, right. That's a big river. There's plenty of room for everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, uh, I'll make you some coffee. You make me some uh, some soup, right? Right. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Yeah. All right. Well, my dinner, she is a, a, a settling on the table, so I'm going to jump off. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about just now? Uh, no, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, but I'm willing to hang around if, if anyone wants to chit-chat. Okay, well, I'll I'll close the server down then, and uh, if you guys obviously if you want to, then <laughs> chit head away. Yeah. But uh, I'll turn we this can... off the server. Yeah, that's fine. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, great call. Thank you so much for for everyone for participating. I think it was really helpful. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I appreciate. It.